following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. But how many times have we heard this phrase now? It's an unprecedented year. It's a time where things seem so different than they've been before. November of last year, uh, myself, Matt, uh, John Zock, who has abandoned us, um, and Ryan Richter, we sat down uh, as um, worship team and elders of Narrative to say, hey, next year, where do we want to go with our sermon series? Where do we want to look ahead? Uh, And what's really interesting is how much God guided that conversation. There were some things that we changed uh, on the fly along the way here as, you know, lockdowns happen and things like that. But most of our sermon series have remained what we planned in November 2019 because the Lord (laughs) lined us up with some great things we needed to hear. And so when we looked at Advent for this year, we said, well, let's go to, let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at what, what was happening there. And so as we were prepping now, Matt and I, in the past month to say, okay, how do we, how do we do Advent this year? We said, well, this Old Testament idea, well, what about this idea of unprecedented, that in the Old Testament, the way God brings about the Messiah is unprecedented. This word we've heard thrown around so often over the last eight months, we can take those feelings of things being strange and out of place and say, hey, this is the same way God brings about his Messiah. And I'd like for you to join me for a second um, in something I I hope we all share, which is uh, either home improvement or home repair projects. Uh, When I was a kid, my dad would bring me along for the ride. I learned a lot of what I know about home repair from him. And uh, especially what I learned is two things. One, you always have a plan. You look at what's ahead of you, whether it's home improvement, whether it's home repair, you look at what's in front of you, you go, okay, here's what I want to do. And let me tell you, it was really cool for me as his son to introduce him to home repair YouTube uh, about five years ago. And now he calls me, he goes, hey, I was going to fix this thing I found it on YouTube. It's great. He introduced me to repairclinic.com, brilliant website. So you always walk in with a plan, but then you always know something, which is the plan is probably going to go wrong. And then you measure how wrong it's gone by Home Depot trips. (laughs) A good project, uh, an excellent project is one Home Depot trip, right? You went, you got what you needed, you came home, and it did the job. That is an excellent project. You did it. This is, you know, you looked at the problem, you solved it, you said, hey, I can do this. A good project is, you know, two to three, right? Because you got there, you started working on it, and then you said, oh, no. This is going worse than I thought, but I just have to pick up a couple of things. Uh, When you hit the four to five point, things are going poorly, My guess is you're yelling at inanimate objects. That's what happens to me. Uh, And once you get six and above, that's when you call a repairman. For me, the last time I got six and above was uh, 
we had our, our washer had rubbed a hole in the outer basin, and so it was leaking. And by leaking, I mean, you know, Noah's flood in our laundry room. And I spent more time angry at that washer, and I think by the time I was trying to flex seal it closed uh, and had ordered a couple of parts that I had interchanged, I knew how to pull that washer apart and put it back together. And then finally I looked at Chelsea and said, let's see what's on, you know, Craigslist. And I think we found a washer for about the same price as what I had paid in parts to that point. When you're doing a home repair project, when you're doing um, a home improvement project, when, uh, you know, any of those things, you come in with a plan. And we all look at a plan and we hope that it goes well. But what happens oftentimes is we run into problems, we run into issues. And here we have this moment at the beginning of creation where God creates and he has a plan. As creator, it wasn't like he was just hanging out going, you know what would be neat? Aardvarks. Right? You know what I like? Duck-billed platypuses. He has a plan for everything. And in fact, he looks and he says, I'm going to create man and woman, and they are going to be the pinnacle of my creation. He gives dominion of creation to humankind. The stewardship of everything around us. But what happens in Genesis 3 is that that falls apart. You see, in Genesis 1, God had looked and said, let us create man in our image. So the, the Trinity talking together, let us create in our image. So the three in one says, let's make this top of creation to be the image bearers of us. They are not God, but they will bear my image. Now by image, we're not saying like God, you know, put himself on a photocopier and like, sent it like that, but it is within us the Spirit of God, the breath He breathes, He gives to us. The other creation doesn't have that. It is beautiful. It is made by God. It is a blessing, but it does not have the breath, the Spirit of God. And so we are called image bearers. We bear that image of God, His Spirit, in us. And what happens in Genesis 3 is the fall away from that. And oftentimes we get caught up in the idea of, um, you know, a fruit that was eaten and all this stuff, and why is that so bad? It's not the fruit. It's not who ate it first. It's about saying, the creation said, I can reach the level of the Creator. I can become that which created me. And so now creation falls out of order and that those who are the image bearers seek to become God themselves. They seek to have knowledge. And I love that the way it's talked about, the way we see it fall in Genesis is it says, this is the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. God had created us to exist in a place 
where we did not know evil, not because it existed and we were just naive, but because evil did not exist, so we did not have knowledge of it. And so when the fall happens, we come to this place where now we can see the effects of sin in the world. But God doesn't even go a chapter without saying, I'm going to take care of this. I've got a plan. And in Genesis 3.15, we get that first promise of the Messiah. This woman will have offspring, the son of man. And I don't like, we use the English Standard Version translation here at Narrative, and we use it across the board so we don't get uh, confused between what we're doing, but I don't like their translation here. So we're going to go to the uh, TSV, the TED Standard Version, which sounds a lot like the NIV, uh, the New International Version. But different translations here have, and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. So this foreshadowing of the cross where there is a plan that the Son of Man will come and destroy the evil one even as he himself appears to be destroyed. So we have this first promise. And what I love about it is God could have looked at it and said, you know what, I'm going to start over. Who's ever had one of those projects, right? Yeah. I had a point, there was a, a project um, in just this brilliant, brilliant day and age we live in where someone on our neighborhood Facebook page said, hey, I have basically a whole house worth of crown molding. I'm not going to use who wants it. And luckily, I was on Facebook. <laughs> and I said, I'll take it. And the guy ended up living at the end of my street, on the next street, but it's like where my street teed into his street. So we're walking down the street with these, you know, 12-foot-long pieces of uh, crown molding over our shoulders, and they're bending and flopping. It's funny. But so I move it in and uh, get it in the garage, talk to my dad, and he's like, hey, I'll come up. I'll help you with it. And then there's a guy who we simply know as Hoop, uh, Steve Hooper. And Hoop has helped my dad on projects around the house since I can remember. And dad said, hey, I was just sharing with Hoop. I was going to come do this. He said he wants to join in. Do you want him to come? And I said, yes, because he's better at this than both of us. And it was great because I did sanding and painting and got all the crown molding ready. And it was within the first two walls. We started in the dining room, and it was in the first two walls that we hit an issue. The ceiling was not flat. There was a bump by one of the registers for the air vents. And Steve goes, you know, this, and I was like, is this an issue? Is something broken? You know, first time homeowner, I'm freaking out. I'm thinking, everything's supposed to be square and flat and perfect. And Steve goes, no, don't worry about it. And he and dad kind of stare at it for a minute. And Steve goes, you know what we're going to do? And what he did was he put a couple cuts on this piece of crown molding so that when you put it up there, it kind of bends with it into the next piece of crown molding. I'll tell you what, had I, as the creator of this project, been there just with me and my dad, I would have been like, 
you know, Dad, what's going to be easier here is we only have one piece of crown molding up. Let's just take that one down. Let's quit. We'll start over. We'll figure this out. Steve looked at the problem and said, hey, this, this can be solved. We don't have to throw everything away. What I love about God's promise in Genesis 3 is he looks and he says, you're worth saving. This creation that I've made is not worth just being thrown out and destroyed. It's worth saving. It's worth building back. And so the promise of Jesus, the plan of a Messiah, is God's declaration that I will not destroy and start over. He gets close in the flood, but he even saves a remnant in the flood because he says it's not worth destroying. There is still my love for my creation. It is unprecedented that God would look at what he had created, seen it fallen and broken and different than he had intended, and for him to look and say, I still want to save it. Think about all the gods up to that point and all the gods that have followed and their wrath and retribution and destruction, but here is the God we know is the true God, and he looks and says, yes, I have wrath. Yes, I have justice but all my wrath and justice is built up around rebuilding my creation to bringing it back to what it is supposed to be. That is unprecedented. And so what happens to us is that in the promise of this king who's to come, we will be renewed image bearers. The image of God that we carry with us will be bought and made new through the cross. We're not the creators. Our redemption is not about us attaining God. Instead, it's about us saying that relationship is restored. And so we become part of God's plan, this renewed image bearing where we don't get it perfect. We're still struggling to understand what that means, but our hope found in Jesus is that we don't have to fear when we fall. In the psalm we read today, it talks about how, um, you know, I have now begotten you. So we get this beautiful reference to the coming of Jesus. But it also talks about how um, he will ask for it and the ends of the earth, all the nations will be granted to him and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and dash them as if pottery. Well, that doesn't seem hopeful. The good news for us is that one day this earth will be dashed to pieces. It will be ruled with iron. But on that day, our redemption lies not in us and what we've done, but in the Son who was sent for us. It's no utopia. We're not looking to create heaven on earth. Instead, like the season of Advent, we eagerly await heaven's return. We eagerly await the time where there is a new heavens and a new earth and they all coexist together. So what do we do as image bearers in this time? 
We seek to bring the light of God wherever we go. That the plan God has for us as his image bearers is that he saves us and redeems us so that we can bear his image into the places we go. But we live in this good plan of God. As you go out this week, look around you. Look at creation. I mean, just, it's cold today. We've got a wind tunnel effect going. But I just, these oaks always amaze me. That God would think up an oak tree. That God would think up the Grand Canyon. That God would think up rivers and lakes and oceans and everything in them. So take time this week to remember the one who created all of that, who brought it all together, so deeply loved you that when things fell apart, he didn't destroy the world. Instead, he decided to send his son into it. And as we walk in this time where we're all mourning something, be it plans, be it time of family, be it loss of loved ones, Seek to be light into the world. As an image bearer of God, seek to follow him and bring light into a time where there is so much hurt and so much anxiety. Because that's basically what Advent is. It's a reminder that the light of the world came into our world and that we get to now join him in what he's doing. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for a plan. We give you thanks that you would watch over us, that you wouldn't just toss us aside, but instead you would send your son for us. During this time of Advent, Lord, let us celebrate the coming of the celebration of Christmas and let us bring light into the world. Lord, your light that you redeemed us with through your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.